What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kings and Priests. Dean, how are you? Phenomenal. Had a massive, like, thunderstorm roll through at about 4 a.m., which was exciting. Man, I miss That's just, we don't get those um, in L.A. That's the thing, right? Like, so here here in uh, good old Utah, it's a thing Mm -hmm. in the summer. Yeah. Um, Is it, I guess it's warm, huh? Are you golfing? golfing I am golfing. Not as much as I want. I'm working Mm -hmm. too hard. But, um, good. Yeah. Um, I sneak in a Friday afternoon round, you know, and, and a Sunday after church round. There you go. There you go. I, um, I was with somebody, I played Sunday afternoon a couple of weeks ago, at this place in Glendale and I got matched with the guy and he hit a hole in one. It was the my first time I've ever seen on. somebody with, with a hole in one. And I guess it's his second time to get a hole in one on that same hole. Oh, wow. Um, because he plays That's this cool. course like all the time, and uh, is that, that the one a, up it, in the top of the hills, like in the top? Yeah, of, yeah, yeah it's a uh, Shoal Canyon. So it's just like it's a yeah. mostly par three. They've got like four yeah. or five par fours, and um, yeah. yeah, he plays there. Like I think I think he said like six times a week because he lives oh, like wow. half a mile from right there. there, and uh, so he he like wasn't near as excited as I I thought. Like I think I was more excited <laughs> than he was. Um, I, but you know, well, I had one at the end of last year, and. It was my second one, and of course I was super happy. But the guy, I was playing with this guy, and he's a big dude. He literally chest bumps me nearly <laughs> off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> so he was really pumped. Yep. Yeah, man. Okay, so just because I feel like we've been talking about it for a second each episode, so Live Golf has added even more. Uh, Brooks Kepka is on board, and yeah, dude, Bryson. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you if you look at the Twitter, you know feed there's so much hype for the, for the live I know. golfers and i know right it's like my father-in-law so. my father-in-law is like a golf purist and so yeah, i sent I him a text I, oh i sent him a text like how excited are you and he was like that's a boycott from me absolutely not and I'm like, <laughs> so i was yeah. like i was like well, but, they, the, but the money and he was like you don't play golf for the money and i'm like yeah okay uh-oh. okay i get it he's a that's he's not a, really reality <laughs> yeah um yeah my, my favorite like name for it is the bone saw tour, which is not funny, but mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> is it yep. just a little bit? Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. it's, it's, I'm gonna watch uh, it. I'm a, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a fan. So same. that's what I'm same. doing. Um. So all right, let's talk today. Um. We're gonna go back to a bit of an an oldie. Uh. This book, Maybe. Peter Thiel. Um. Who I actually have not read a ton about. I'm actually in the the middle of reading his like. Uh, biography uh autobiography yep. uh which is is i'm not super far into it but it's it's really fascinating but he kind of really became first known to the the greater public right he's always been like a silicon valley legend but his sort of coming yep. out party was his book zero to one um yep. which i remember like buying the audio version of it back years and years ago and i think just at the time it didn't I think it, it just for whatever reason I was like this is boring I'm 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 not going to listen right. and then a few years later picked it back up and was like oh wow this is this is massive so I Genius. thought it would be cool if we we talked through um a few principles from from this book yeah um, love it firstly why don't you give us just a quick Peter Thiel founded PayPal um one yeah, of the PayPal he, founders he was part of the PayPal mafia as it's known with Elon and David mm-hmm. Sachs and others. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, really, if you weren't kind of in the into software and, and tech, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have really known him. I think he probably came into broader kind of vision of people when he was, you know, found out to be very conservative mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, was was and is currently a fundraiser for the Republican Party. So he's, yep. he's a, a rare conservative in tech, mm-hmm. um, outspoken. Mm-hmm. Um, he's gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he found, he, he funded the, um, the lawsuit yeah. against Gawker, right? That he basically shut Gawker down, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. uh, good for him. Um, yep. yes. and so <laughs> yep. like, like he's just a badass, right? Like mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. so many levels. Um, and you know, I, I guess like, um, there's a lot of things. Oh, he was about- the first, he was the first, I didn't know he was the first outside, outside, uh, Facebook investor. Dude. Well. He, 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 dang. The way he did that, and there's a term that I'm going to botch up here, but he essentially tucked it inside his Roth IRA or something. Yeah, that's and, right. And it's now, it's worth like $2 billion and he's he going to still get never pay tax taxes. Free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Because at the time it was worth nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so obviously, like, you know, you, if you're in business, yep. you are going to have to do business with all kinds of people, with all kinds of mm-hmm. beliefs and all kinds of lifestyles. And, you know, I remember, I think we chatted, you know, t- talking with this guy who wants to build some software for, for church. And he's like, but I didn't want to, like, I'm, he's a real purist kind of um, mm-hmm. particular mm-hmm. style of church guy. And he's like, I want yep. to sell to these churches. Like, <laughs> well, that's about 4% of the market. So unless you get a little broader in who you want to sell to, you're going to have a tough mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, if you're selling things, you're going to, be in business and do business with people who have different beliefs than you. Yep. And you know, that's just the big bad reality yep. of uh, if you're going to go to market. And so, you know, whilst I may, may not agree with all of Peter Thiel's, you know, kind of lifestyle choices and yep. beliefs and everything you can make. I remember um, actually it was Pastor Phil that said, make every person a, your teacher. Like you can learn from everyone. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I think, uh, you know, when it comes to like legendary business people in, you know, pick oh, a, yeah. pick a sector, you know, legendary builders, legendary electricians, yeah. legendary software. Like if someone is really good, like go and get all the learning mm-hmm. you can from their expertise, mm-hmm. their mistakes, the successes yep. they've had the, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and just get a free education. Mm-hmm. And this is, and I mean, this is one of the. And he's all over the place in what he's done. So obviously PayPal, he has a yep. massive hedge fund, Clarium Capital. Uh, yep. He launched Palantir, which is crazy. Palantir which is, is just like, yeah, you know, deep that, talk dark about data. Deep, yeah, 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 deep dark. <laughs> I didn't know he launched. He was a founder of Founders Fund. So I mean, man, he's yep. he is um, he's not just done. He's not a one hit wonder. Let's just put it that way. He is sure he's um, not. Okay, so let's go through some of these principles from his book, Zero to One. So uh, the first one is probably what he's done. I think this is probably what has set him apart uh, more than anything else is uh, bet on a contrarian truth. So he says, answer the following. What important truth do very few people agree with you on? Um, The example here, Steve Jobs bet on the contrarian truth that we didn't need a physical keyboard for smartphones. Almost everyone at the time disagreed with him. So I, I, that, I disagreed. Like I was so in love with my BlackBerry that I'm like, I'm never going to a device that doesn't have yep, a keyboard. Yeah. And then, and I still remember like it, which is the iPhone is 15 years old. I think yesterday mm-hmm. or the day before. Yep. 
I still remember lining up at the AT&T store at Gwinnett Mall, just mm-hmm. outside of Atlanta, Georgia, 15 yep. years ago, getting my hands on that phone, like lighting it up and being disappointed by the keyboard. I hated it. Um, and, I remember and that so, switch over when all the, and I say this brutal. in a lot, when the boomers all switched from BlackBerry to iPhone and yep. the texting and the emails, like I remember I had a boss at the time switch from BlackBerry to to iPhone yep. and it was like one of the most hilarious switchovers because it, well, it took everyone a long time to get used to. But now can you imagine typing on a physical keyboard? Well, but he, so the contrarian truth what was the keyboard, but really the long vision was apps, mm-hmm. right? So you, like you couldn't have an app store that could do the things that apps do now mm-hmm. within that ecosystem of BlackBerry or flip phones or whatever. So mm-hmm. the genius was let's ditch the keyboard, but let's also create a platform where right. you can basically dominate, you know, the landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the, look, you know, in, in my world, you know, when we, when I started thinking about digital giving, that was a fairly contrarian truth, you know, mm-hmm. giving f- f- had been a hundred years, you know, cash and check, mm-hmm. um, certainly in the U S and so the idea of moving that to a digital platform was, yeah. you know, at the time, a little bit mm-hmm. contrarian. Well, and and because- contrarian on a church church side, but also probably the, the congregation side, right? Like congregation is giving cash and check and go, wait a minute, now I'm putting my credit card information in, your auto mm. withdrawing my tithe. You know, it's a right. totally different way of thinking. And, you know, like the pushback from the church was, I'm not going to pay 3% you know, to get digital gifts and, uh, and p- people aren't going to use their credit card to tithe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to $2 billion, like, you know, I think we're at yeah. the fight. We're now 5th billion, you know, <laughs> of, wow. of, uh, digital giving, mm-hmm. um, in the last seven years, we'll do nearly 2 billion this year, but yeah, it's that, they, that is definitely a thing. Wait, let's stop for a second. So you're at your fifth billion, seven years, seven years in, and you're going to yep. do 2 billion this year. So in one year you're doing what's that around? I'm terrible at math. Let's say 30, 35% of what you've done over the course of your whole company. That's yep. exponential. That's like an exponential. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the, the awesome thing, that's, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you get a customer, a church, you know, they might get 10 or 20% giving digitally. And then every year it just keeps going up. So mm-hmm. it's kind of that, that vibe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the whole idea of, um, you know, this, Doing things that that people disagree with you on, usually there's something in there for you to go to mm-hmm. discover. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, number two, escape competition. Teal said all failed companies are the same. They failed to escape competition. Mm-hmm. By betting your business on a contrarian truth, you'll dramatic dramatically increase the odds of avoiding competition. Make sure to bet on a contrarian truth whose time whose time has come. So yeah. um that's interesting. If, if your company or if your thesis of what you're building is uh, that of a contrarian point of view, m- maybe especially at the beginning, you don't have as much competition. But once people start to realize, oh, wow, I'm onto something, the race right. then begins for competitors, right? Yeah. In our case, and I'm just using my, you know, situation because I know it well and what we did. And it's funny, like I read these questions, like how did that apply to me and mm-hmm. and, and my company? Mm-hmm. And I think our um, escape competition is we went down market to small, medium, and all of our competition went to enterprise, large church. 
I remember because you, you probably don't even remember this. I remember sitting in a coffee shop, Dinosaur Coffee with you on Sunset Boulevard. Okay. Like you had just started Tithely. And right. I remember going like, oh, and you could go this route and this route and this person. And you were like, well, yeah, but what I'm actually betting on is that for every one church of 10,000 people, there's yeah. hundreds of churches that reach exponentially more people, right. which was super contrary because it wasn't necessarily the glamorous way of growth it, it was at the beginning, not right? the glamorous right you wanted the big name church but I, i'd learned from things like uh, salesforce when salesforce launched so famously you know they they kind of the team broke out of oracle which is enterprise you know heavy i didn't know software. that yeah. yeah and um and so they went to the smalls like sign up in five minutes you know get your little kind of piece of software going um and so and here's the other thing I knew just intrinsically about the church world is the average size church in America is under 150. So I knew that the vast majority of the 350,000 churches in America, my TAM, were in this small medium bucket, you know, mm -hmm. definitely, you know, 85% being under 500. So, but the hard thing about small, medium, you know, we call it SMB in the software business, small, medium businesses, could be dry cleaners, could be whatever, mm -hmm. is it, they're very hard to it's very hard to build stuff for them to adopt at scale because an enterprise sale, I get on the phone and I talk to the CFO or the CIO and I go and sell this, you know, software that costs, you know, 50 grand mm -hmm. in the small medium, I got to price it to be, and we priced it free. So that mm -hmm. was helpful. Mm -hmm. um, we gave away the software and just, you know, monetize the payment. We even lowered the payment by allowing the donor to cover the fees, you know, a couple of years in, but, you know, essentially, if you can scale small, medium, which means add on, add in like hundreds of customers every month by them literally doing the sign on themselves rather than me going to you. Mm -hmm. and, and and so that was kind of the secret source of all well, that. Well, and so even to drill down further into that too, right? Like, so if you're thinking small to medium sized in your context, churches versus a massive church, right? So small to medium size, they can pivot faster. There's not as much red yep. tape. It's probably just right. one, maybe two people that need to yep. adopt this new tool instead of having to go, gosh, I got to get my whole team involved. I've got to get, right. you know, it's like um, there's that like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, nimble. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that something that you thought of early on as well? Like, hey, I just think it's going to be uh, yep. uh, quicker getting these types of churches involved, right? Yeah, we just sold one product. It was basically a giving link that you could put mm -hmm. on your website and you could be up and live in five minutes. Mm -hmm. So once once you solve that, then you get mass adoption, you know, and we're approaching 40,000 customers. The vast, vast, vast majority are, you know, under 500 member churches. What, what would you say, if you feel comfortable, your competition, and that could be a number of, there's dozens of companies that probably yeah. would be considered competition, uh, that maybe went a different direction and was maybe the reason that you guys grew faster. Like, what were some? Like, what was the what was the opposite way of thinking than what you guys had earlier? I mean, my my thesis was that that there's only so many mega churches, right? Call it two thousand plus or five thousand plus. So there's only so many of those, and eventually those those guys are going to adopt first. So if you look at the landscape, you know, we're seven digital giving in a in a kind of this kind of new way is really seven, eight, nine years old. And um, all those guys are done. So the only movement in the 
enterprise level is going to be people switching, right? And that's just a zero-sum game. Now, as it turns out, the software we built is so good for small, medium. We have a lot of enterprise churches, you know, using it. We have... We have probably five of the top hundred largest churches in America on our platform. Never, never had a sales call. Never tried to hunt them down. It's just been wow. a relationship. And um, but knowing that that was going to run out quickly, and that the long tail, right, is going to be these small guys, those country Methodist church or Baptist church. So COVID hits, right, big acceleration for our business. But still today, this week. You know, we'll say, hey, why did you sign up? Well, we thought we should get a giving button and maybe get a website, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's tens of thousands of those customers still to go get. And mm. our competitors can't go down market because of the cost structure of how they sell. Right. Their whole infrastructure has it's to have right. a certain size of church that that right. does a certain amount a year in revenue to justify. Yep. That, that could pay, you know, $500 or $1,000 a month for a giving platform that we give away for free. Mm-hmm. So they can't monetize to the small guy, whereas mm-hmm. we built from the ground up and now, but guess like, so we can dominate the small medium, which is our probably 90% of our focus still, mm-hmm. but you know, we can go upscale because we keep building great software yeah. and, and, you know, go attack it that way. So mm-hmm. the contrarian yeah. thing and, and, you know, you're talking about moats, right? Like how do I get a moat? Like this, you know, idea of like escaping competition, how do I put a moat around my castle to where the competitors can't come in and take my castle. And, um, you know, cost structure, you know, how you onboard um, customers is, is you know, really a, been a moat for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, number three is start by dominating a small market. When Jeff Bezos started, when, when Jeff Bezos started as Amazon, he had the idea of creating an everything store, but instead he didn't, he didn't start with everything. He focused on dominating a small niche market, online books. So yep. don't get 1% of a $1 billion market, get 80% of a million dollar market. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard one because you want to build, like you want to go for the everything. Yep. And, um, you know, the old saying, uh, crawl, walk, run is, is very true in building a business. And when it comes to, you know, picking something that you can really go and win in, um, we had one product, which was a giving form, either on a phone or a computer, that could take a donation. Yep. And it was suited for that smaller customer. So, you know, and then later we added, you know, mm-hmm. CRM, like CHMS for churches, and we mm-hmm. do websites. We All the stuff we do now, it, it didn't start with that. And if we'd have waited to build everything, mm-hmm. right, we'd have missed the boat. So we had mm-hmm. one thing selling to one particular kind of customer, and we really spent the first three, four years just kind just of focusing that. on that. Mm-hmm. And then we grew as a business. We acquired some technology and we built some technology to, you know, build out the suite. But you don't start there. And uh, that, that's, that's definitely true. It's a temptation that most founders have to resist by trying to build the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like just build the first thing that works. And it doesn't even have to be perfect. Like get your minimum viable product, get it out there, get going, mm-hmm. ship stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then get traction, get customers, get revenue, Mm -hmm. go from there. Mm -hmm. Literally, as you, I read this and then as you were talking, I literally wrote a note down in my phone about something for vast that has been like this peripheral thing that I think is really necessary to add. And and I literally just made myself a note that said, just punt that 90 days and don't even think about it again until you get get this. And and that's, it's because literally the pressure is so there to want to do a little bit of everything. Yep. 
Um, okay, strive to be a monopoly. When you establish a monopoly, you prevent the competition from eating away your profit. So they use four examples here, brand association, which is Apple, which is probably the hardest, um, most, you know, that that's building a brand. Well, Everyone wants time, to build right? a brand, but it's really, really hard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, proprietary technology, Google over Bing, which is funny. I mm -hmm. say Bing, most people, if you're under probably 30, you've never even heard of Bing. They were my yeah. first client working in, in media and advertising. They were spending, I think, they were spending about a quarter of a billion in the first two years just in marketing. And right. they don't even, I mean, I don't even yeah. know that they exist anymore, right? Um, they do, but, and we we do a pretty big ad spend and the vast majority of it goes to Google. Yeah, not, <laughs> not Bing, right? A yeah. little bit goes to Bing. <laughs> yeah, uh, network effects, TikTok, and then economies of scale, Amazon. So the idea right. here is, you know, monopoly what are your thoughts on that and then um yep so brand takes time right mm -hmm. so and we kind of went with a highly customer centric focused kind of you know um software business to churches so you know we have a pretty good brand in the industry you know we we are well respected which which leads to the network effect a bit because you know you start getting kind of economies of scale of customers and they all you know the customer that we sell to a, a church, like the pastors are at conferences. They're like, they're the most networked people on the planet, right? Talk about a network effect. Mm -hmm. And so you go and see a product, you know, at a conference and, and text give by this and Tidely comes up and blah, blah, blah. So I think those two are a little bit connected. Um, proprietary technology is really hard, um, but you can stack stuff up on, because so payments, I knew very quickly early were going to be a commodity. It was going to be a race to the bottom on price mm -hmm. as far as transacting a payment online, right? Yep. But you can build proprietary software on top of that that differentiates you, that gives you, um, you know, some kind of standout feature. Um, but that's that's a really hard thing to do. Um, and then the economies of scale is obvious. Like once you get traction, the flywheel's going you start to be able to do things at scale that you obviously you couldn't do when you were small. So, you know, Amazon, once they became the king of books, man, it was, you know, was it CDs, right? They kind of yep. went, I, I felt like they went music mm -hmm. and then it was just an onslaught. It just, oh yeah. <laughs> and now it's, it's literally everything. I always say yep. we, um, I serviced an agency one time that did a lot of their media buying and they used to say that anytime you would, they would meet with the team from Amazon, the team would remind the agency our goal is that every person in the world could get anything delivered to them in under one hour. That's, yeah. that's, that's awesome. crazy. And so, I, I mean, like, that's, that's insane to me. Um, I know. But that's that, they've built out that, um, yep. that infrastructure to be able to do it. So, okay, five, learn to go from zero to one. Um, going from zero to one means doing something that has never been done before. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it's easy to copy and improve existing products and services. Going from zero to one is determined by original thinking. Uh, yeah. I read that and that just sounds on the surface really intimidating <laughs> because it, it sounds, yeah, totally. it's, most business ideas are, hey, how do I copy, uh, improve this? Or how do I do the Uber for X, Y, or Z, right? How do I do sure. the Airbnb for X, Y, or Z? But this is right. really saying like, what is, what's the original thought? Right. That, that you and, and like from zero to one, the couple that you just mentioned, right? So, you know, I, I don't I, have you watched the um, 
the dramatization of uh, the show uh, about Uber and the one yeah. we work and mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Uber one's fascinating. Yeah, just the opposition from the from the limousine and taxi companies, right? Mm-hmm. Globally. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Um, the genius of being able to stand in a spot and get a car in five minutes mm-hmm. was, you know, just a revolution. Mm-hmm. But here's how I think of that: there's always more ideas that haven't been thought up. And if you if you think oh everything's you know invented that's always going to be invented like who was the guy that said that you know in in nineteen ten or something you know like it's mm-hmm. it's like there is so much more and technology yeah. just keeps allowing us to think outside the box and mm-hmm. come up with new things. I think it has to be the the mind of an entrepreneur is the mind of a problem solver. Mm-hmm. And so all you've got to do to innovate is find problems and go fix them. And the world has a million problems. So if you're trying to get an idea for a business, look for problems to solve. And that's where your business is probably going to start. Great. Yeah, that's great. Number six, focus on one thing. Put your effort behind one unique idea. This is something we talk about a lot, but yeah. um Having definite optimism will keep you moving in a positive direction despite failure and setbacks. And I think we talk about this a lot, but it is that. And just what you said, what is that one? What's the one problem? Solve one problem and then start to solve the other ones. But the zero to one thinking is what's yep. one problem that I yep. can I can solve. Number seven, we've we've done a bunch of episodes about, but we love learn how to sell. Um People yeah. often say, I'm never going to be in sales, yet it is fundamental for influencing others and garnering trust. Scale, sales skills are life skills. And that's- I love that. Because, you mm-hmm. know, we've talked about this, like every, if you're in business, man, you're a salesperson. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, you're dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and a salesperson is not like you think they are. Right. Like you can't think cog lot and being mm-hmm. talked into getting a car you mm-hmm. can't afford. Boiler that room, stockbroker, cold call. Yeah, that's not right. what we're talking that about. Is, yeah. It's Wolf of Wall Street, like all mm-hmm. that mess. That is not what sales is. Mm-hmm. In my mind, as a founder, entrepreneur, someone even working in a, in a company that I respect and love and, and feel on mission with, it's me communicating the benefits of whatever it is I'm selling and being so passionate and, and like living inside of that product so much Every time I talk about it, what comes out of me is my enthusiasm for whatever it is I'm, you know, presenting to a mm. to a customer, mm. and I I don't even have to try to sell. Like right. I'm not, you know, there's the there's the pitch, there's the close, there's the sign here, there's all the old school. Like this is what a sale is. Mm-hmm. I think culturally where we're at and millennial, like everyone's skeptical about everything now. Um, that's the old way of selling isn't how you should think when we say sales. Mm-hmm. Sales, sales is enthusiasm and passion for whatever it is you're presenting yep. to people in whatever you know medium, whether it be social, whether it be in person, whether it be via Zoom, like whatever it is, you're just pumped about the thing that yep. you're representing, and really they're just going to catch it, and they're mm-hmm. like, "I got to have this." This yep. guy subconsciously they're saying, "This guy's just given me five reasons why I absolutely need this product." Mm-hmm. And, you know, if there's a go sign up here, fine, but really you, you don't even need to do that. Just, just point them in the direction. Right. And they're going to go get it. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's what sales, modern sales is to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Number eight. I love this one. There is no formula. The paradox of teaching mm-hmm. entrepreneurship is that a formula for innovation can't exist. 
Every new innovation is unique. No authority can prescribe in concrete terms how to be more innovative. Think about business from first principles instead of formulas. Here's why I love this, and then I want you to, mm -hmm. you know, give your thoughts. There is like no shortage, and I'm seeing it more, especially since my business is content. And so I am I'm always like studying and looking and seeing what's out there. The amount of like formulaic uh I went from zero online sales to a hundred thousand right. a month. Here's ten ways that I did it. And you know, right. and it's like all of that is great and fine and and whatever. Most of those people are just trying to sell their content, but the people that I've been around that are true innovators and entrepreneurs, up until a certain point, I've been going, what are they doing? Like, what? There's no formula here. They're right. just, they're throwing stuff up against the wall. They're super focused. They're trying, they're, there's no formula. And I think that's the big thing, right? Is like, I think my generation wants a formula for yeah. how to be a founder, how to start a business, how to get my freedom to do what it is. And, right. and man, I just, I don't know. I think, I think the more I'm doing what I'm doing now, the more I'm learning. Yeah, there is no formula. It really is just about waking up every day, putting one foot in front of the other and kind of being willing to do whatever it takes. Right. So I don't yeah, know. What just, are your thoughts on that formula versus just, you know, principle, I, have, I suppose. I there thoughts. are principles, right? But yeah. Yeah. I think those are different. So like back in the church world where I used to live, which I still do, but on a different side, mm -hmm. um, there was always a church growth thing. There was about yes. one of them a year, mm -hmm. right? And there was some guy that grew his church from, you know, he took over this 100-member dead church, and now it's 10,000. Mm -hmm. And here's the formula. It's it's yep. the Lord's Prayer. It's cell groups. It's this. It's Purpose-driven. Yeah, the whole it's thing. It's purpose-driven. Yep. It's growth track. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So, Whatever it is. And yeah. then what happens, yeah. So And what happens is, is desperate church leaders grab you know, it's worship, it's this, it's the spirit, it's people falling down, it's laughing, it's <laughs> it's like go back gold to dust, the gold dust falling from the falling dust, from the ceiling. Right? It's <laughs> angel feathers, it's yeah. So um and I'm not disparaging all of those things, but yeah. what I'm saying is don't look your church my church never grew because I went and adopted some other guy's what God was doing on him. Mm -hmm. it, you know, you could take elements, you take best practices, you obviously do right things right and you don't do mm -hmm. the wrong things. But, you know, in the sense when like, and I guess on a business level, the extreme of this is, you know, make uh, move fast and break things, right? That yep. was Zuckerberg's mm -hmm. thing, right? Like mm -hmm. there's no formulas. It was like, here's an idea. Let's go as fast as we can, bust whatever we've got to bust and let's win. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a full proponent of that kind of thing, but that's that's the essence of what we're talking about. You yep. just got to get moving. If you hit a wall, you got to be a pinball machine. Like mm -hmm. you got to be the ball that's literally bouncing off stuff until you get in the slot, you know. Mm -hmm. And 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 then boom, there's kind of velocity, and all of a sudden yep. that is fuel for this thing. This rocket starts going, but until the rocket goes, you're just yep. you're just going. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I I hundred percent agree with this. You just got to get moving, make mistakes, get going. Always be polite and kind and treat people yep. well and never burn a bridge and all those kind mm -hmm. of things that we believe. But um, yeah, got to get moving. Yeah, because when we're, fo I, I love that uh, analogy of the pinball because if you're focused on a mm -hmm. formula and you're running the playbook, but the plays aren't working, that's when you get discouraged and frustrated and like, what am I doing? But there is something about like, yep. man, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to, that that pinball yep. analogy is is great because you just keep pouncing around <laughs> until you, 
until you hit that hit that yeah that's exactly what it hit feels like it. yep um number nine learn lessons from the past uh from learn lessons from the past four big lessons from the dot-com crash that still guide business thinking today make incremental advances which is that Love crawl it. walk run uh stay yep. lean and flexible Love it. uh improve on the competition and then mm -hmm. focus on product not on sales um that's just learning and and that can be in any context of thinking about situations successes failures and looking at those in the past going why did this work or not work and then just being yep. brutally honest with yourself about um about why it worked right mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. didn't work definitely mm -hmm. yep yeah, the, the, you know, incremental, you know, the lean and flexible, you know, shoot, like <clears throat> money is expensive right now. If you're raising money to, to keep your business growing mm. and all the smart voices are saying conserve cash, pay back, like don't, you know, so, but I kind of live like that. Like mm -hmm. when you run a church for 20 years and you understand that oh, churches yeah. are like a cash, <laughs> a cash flow business that you get mm -hmm. one, one income opportunity for 90 minutes on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. You, you tend to be good at um, being able to conserve your cash and, and be uh, pretty lean um, and just iterating and product. I, that That's all incredible mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, lastly here, last can be first. It's much better to make the last great development in a specific market and enjoy years, years or even decades of monopoly profits. So I think the yeah. idea here is that you just stay in the game long enough and... Yep and keep trying and you don't you, you certainly don't have to be first and business history is riddled with the incumbent oh. being just completely I'll, I'll going from yeah uh web van which was grocery delivery in the year 2000 to instacart <laughs> right like <laughs> like like web van I, I can't i can't remember how many billions we you know someone could mm -hmm. look it up but it's like um down the toilet didn't work because basically the technology wasn't there. Yep. And then 20 years later, Instacart comes along and, you know, we, we literally, when we fly back to California, uh, uh, ordering the groceries Yep. as we go back and when we come from the airport and I've already like turned the air conditioning on and I've like, I've done like six things mm -hmm. like with my phone on the mm -hmm. way back home, um, maybe fire up the jacuzzi, right? Heat up the pool, yep. like do that on the phone. Ready to, yep. All right. And, uh, and then like we land and I'm kind of hungry too. So I ordered Chipotle. And so by the time we get to my door, the Instacart is just arriving. The Chipotle is arriving. It's like just yep. awesome. Yeah, <laughs> man, I would. Okay. This is, uh, I'll, this is the last, this is, this would be my Instacart, uh, slash DoorDash slash all those rants. It's getting really expensive. And I am like going yeah, like, wait a minute, everyone's been doing it. And now there's like, Delivery charge, service charge, yeah. uh, and and next thing you know, a twenty dollar salad is a forty five dollar uh, delivery. But I guess yeah. people are still, I guess there's still demand. Otherwise, they would would not be making it well, so expensive that, to do, right? That's the thing, right? The market is setting the price, and mm -hmm. uh, and I I would foresee some price pressure on some of that. If, yep. Even if we're in a recession or going into one, and people start tightening up. You start tightening up around the edges of your life. That's discretionary, mm -hmm. and uh, so yep. that, that's the beautiful thing. Those are like food delivery is a great um, example of you know the free market having to work in such a way that you know these are I can I can have all four apps on my phone, mm -hmm. and you know I can kind of compare. Um, yep. And so there'll be some price 
pressure there, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the convenience is ridiculous. And it just wasn't there 20 years ago. So you can right. be last year well, and dominate something. That's the something. thing. Yep, yep. Um, awesome. Well, those are all great. I'll post the link to this in the show notes. Uh, Zero to One by Peter Thiel is yep. an incredible book that if you are a founder, wannabe founder, is essential reading. Um, the audio book is really too. Um, so, okay, hey, so before we close, we didn't, I think it's been a couple of weeks since you and I have chatted for an episode. What's the sentiment out there? Like you talk to a lot of founders, talk just like uh-huh. macro economy, fundraising, all that. Like yeah. what's just in, in, you know, a minute, where are we at? And, and has anything but, changed since we talked last? Um, it's tough time to raise money, right? For, for a, a brand new startup, not impossible. Um, and if you are continuing to raise money, you better like, you better have a plan to, for that to last 24, maybe 36 months, because I don't think we're going to, the economy is going to be bad for that long. And it might not be like the labor market is still very tight. We're seeing a little kind of things around the edges and housing is getting a little pressure with rates. There's going to be another, at least 50 point you know, right next month, maybe 75 to slap it, that inflation mm-hmm. thing in the head, but it's going to be bumpy. So just, just be frugal and be wise. And there's a whole generation of founders and business people who have only known this mm-hmm. <laughs> to the moon, right. Mm-hmm. And, and diamond hands forever. And, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a little bumpy. So just be, be smart, conserve your cash. And, uh, if you've got a really good product and serve your customers, you'll, you'll do fine. If you've got a crappy product and you don't serve your customers well, you'll probably go away. Yep. <laughs> like happens in, <laughs> in all these cycles. So mm-hmm. just uh, button down. Cool. Cool. Good stuff, Dean, as always. Uh, thank you. And we'll yeah. see y'all all back here next week. Thank you. See you, everyone.